Thank you for listening and we really hope you enjoyed it. If you really did like it, don't forget to leave us a review and share it with a colleague who you think might benefit. Don't forget to follow us on all social media pages including Instagram and LinkedIn. Engineered by Responsum Global. Welcome back everyone for another episode of the Building Services podcast. Very, very delighted to have with me today, Susie Glasky. Susie is a function medicine health coach. She is the founder of Peppermint Wellness and runs her own podcast called the Wellness Unwrapped Podcast. And Susie, great to have you. Thank you so much for inviting me on, Mohammed. It's nice to be here with you. Thank you. No, thanks for thanks for joining us. So me- mental health, well-being, wellness, the, these are all things that are uh, on the minds of many and I think any any good manager out there uh, is probably going to be concerned for their employees about you know how their health and well-being is at the moment naturally this will have a knock-on effect on productivity for businesses and that might be a place where the whole question about health and well-being starts off but equally you do get very very caring managers who are concerned about it all the time and they might not know what's the best way to approach it, whether the employee should approach them, whether they should approach the employee, and, and even what happens if, if the manager themselves uh, might have um, some sort of concern from a mental health perspective. So we're hoping to cover quite a few things during this conversation. Um, but the first question, from, from your experience, and you deal with um, a few other consultants in, in the built environment space, are there any common themes that are triggering off either mental health or well-being issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, the current situation has exacerbated this hugely. Um, but this was already bubbling under. So, so the we're seeing really an explosion in in mental health issues, but it was happening before coronavirus hit. Um, and I've been working with um, in the corporate wellness space for for quite a number of years now, doing corporate wellness workshops, group coaching, etc. And I am just seeing more and more and more problems with anxiety, depression, um, and so on. You know, people are really struggling with stress. Um, And that was before this whole crisis started. So that has naturally ramped things up hugely. And um, I'm really happy that this, that you're addressing this and that so many other people are bring this out into the sunshine, which I think is a really positive thing, which wasn't perhaps the case, you know, 10 years ago, Um, because this is really important. And as you say, it affects everybody. So nobody's immune to this. doesn't matter if you're a manager or this or that, what age you are, what socioeconomic background. We are all very susceptible to um, the pressures of modern life, the pressures of today's working environment, the financial uncertainty, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, we're not, we're not always able to cope with this amount of assaults on our mental health. So um, common themes you are asking about. Well, what I'm seeing at the moment from doing a lot of, a lot of webinars at the moment, obviously, because I can't coach in person, is the whole gamut of things from um, people suffering from insomnia because they're lying awake at night 
wondering if they will have a job to go to, maybe they're furloughed, you know, all different scenarios. But the, the uncertainty is a huge factor because human beings don't deal particularly well with uncertainty. We like to know what is happening when. And when that is taken away from us, it makes us hugely stressed. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have other people who are in work, so they haven't been furloughed, and they are just drowning beneath the weight of responsibility and work that is on their shoulders, um, perhaps feeling a bit of resentment to colleagues who are at home in the garden. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all sorts of stuff. There's people feeling trapped because they're at home with perhaps people who maybe they don't get on with that well. You know, suddenly they're, they're locked in with a partner who perhaps they don't have a great relationship with. Um, homeschooling. So if you can imagine if you are still being expected to do your job and you have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old who require homeschooling, I mean, the stress is just monumental. So we're seeing all sorts of things. Um, and then people trying to dampen down those feelings of stress and anxiety and fear by perhaps drinking too much in the evening. So then getting into that spiral of, of relying on alcohol to make them feel better. Maybe they're, they're eating junk food throughout the day just to try and assuage those, those feelings, those uncomfortable feelings. So we're seeing all sorts of problems. Mm. How, how, do you, how do you actually get someone to appreciate your perspective? Because like, how do I put it? It's like, for me personally, I've, I've got two young kids and I, I do recognize the challenges. They're, they're four and two. Um, I'm on the phone sometimes and they will crash in. So um, I've, had, I've had clients on my phone and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're coming in and, and joining in basically. Now, for another person who might not have kids or has a completely different challenge, they might not be able to resonate or relate or understand and, and, might, and sometimes can, might even get frustrated as in, you know, can you not lock the door? <laughs> and, it, and it's quite simple, um, but sometimes you can have almost a negative response to it. And if you're, if you're in a bad headspace and then on top of that, you're getting a negative response, that's going to push you a little bit further down. Now, how do you convey yeah. that across when the next person yeah. might not understand your individual situation? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think that the key thing is compassion because none of us can understand what, uh, what any other person is going through. You know, we're not breathing the air they breathe. We're not in the same space. We can't put ourselves in their shoes. And we are all experiencing this crisis differently. You know, I have, I'm blessed to have a garden. You know, I have, we have space in the house that I can work in one room and my husband can work in another. And my son, who's at PwC, he's, he's already, he's also in lockdown. He's working in his own bedroom. You know, we have the luxury of a bit of space. And so many other people are tied to one kitchen table, you know, sharing a phone. Or It's different for everybody. We can't possibly imagine what other people are going through. So I think it's really important that we have compassion um, and understand that we don't really know what other people are going through and we just have to lay off all judgment in my opinion i think as a, as a business owner it's probably going to concern you more because it it's not just you're taking care of your team and your well-being uh, and, and your team's well-being but now you've got a concern of you know they might have rent to pay or they might have bills to pay or, or even a mortgage or whatever it is 
and subconsciously you've now got the stress of 10 mortgages on your head because your team's the size of 10 you're unsure yeah. about the future and and i can imagine this this piling up so you know you've got managers employers directors owners and you've got this this chain going upwards depending on the on the sign of size of the company how do you how can we train people or encourage people to be more aware and be able to recognize the signs and uh, you know be, if i take it back one step there, there might even be people who've joined an organization only a couple of weeks before lockdown you've only known that person mm. for two weeks you've not got to understand them you don't know what the signals are when they're having a bad day now how how do you put all that in place that is such a question Mohammed. and and i mean there are so there's so much to unpack in there um but what you said about not knowing someone because they've just joined the company um, I, I think that's a very good point, and especially I'm seeing in my in my webinar in my group coaching online at the moment, particularly a lot of the guys, a lot of the men, are not feeling that they can open up to someone, even if there is a designated person at the company who is there, you know, saying like, "I'm here, I'm the mental health person, please come and talk to me," but they just feel perhaps that they don't want to appear weak. Or, or vulnerable so they're kind of keeping it in I mean I don't want to generalize but obviously it's not all men but I am seeing it more in men um, but even the fact of just being away from the office because you know when you're in an office it's that kind of just the chat in the kitchen where you're gonna put the kettle on and you're just there and there's someone else then you just have that chat that kind of just chit chat the banter we don't have that anymore you can't mm. get that on a a Microsoft Teams update meeting, you know, you've lost that banter. And a lot of the support for people naturally happens in the office environment where we just, you just say, oh, I'll make you a cup of tea. And like, oh, you know, you look a bit, you know, what's up? You haven't got your big smile on today. And we've, we've lost that. So I think it is extremely isolating for people. And a lot of people will have a tendency to kind of sit on that and not want to kind of put their hand up and say, do you know what, I'm, I'm actually really struggling here. Mm. Um, so they will tend to put on a mask. Um, See, I can so, really relate yeah. to that because yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're a small business and the moment, you know, everything started to dip the opposite way and you know you can see people cancelling things and oh no that's not going to happen anymore that's not going to happen then it's like okay that fee's not going to be there anymore that's not going to be there anymore and it almost piles up on you and, and this is how i personally felt um i felt like well, me and my co-director uh, danny we've worked really hard to build this up, business up to where it is right now and is this are we just now going to watch it go the opposite way and that's yeah. what it felt like to me and in my personal time um like my wife supported me through through all of this and she's she's absolutely amazing she doesn't listen to this podcast so i can get away with saying the opposite but i i i think she's amazing she's done everything possible to support me with it and i felt as though in the evenings when we'd switch off and we don't talk about work um i'm still talking about work i'm still saying oh what about this can I do that? Yeah. Can I try this? And I'll, and I already knew this, but it clicked again to me when I recorded an earlier episode uh, with, a, with a lady called Hannah. 
um, she she shared her story about her mental health experiences. She went from having quite a bad breakdown, um, very tragic story, um, and then she got back up and and built her career for thereon. But she put it quite simply, as in, whatever's in your control, worry about that. Whatever's not in your control, don't think about it. And that might be really really simple, but I already knew that, and I've always thought like that. But it it kind of almost switched off momentarily because. I was almost overwhelmed with what's going on. And I'm sure there's, there's so many other people that were going to be in that same place. But if you, if you don't have, you know, a partner at home or you don't have someone to talk to, or you don't have a relationship with somebody who you might want to approach, where do you start? Yeah. So firstly, to pick up on what that lady Hannah told you, that is absolutely right. So one thing I get people to do when I coach them, um, especially at the moment, is to just get an A4 piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and on one side, you, you write down the things that are within your control, and the other side, the things that, you are, that are outside your control. So the things that are in your control, under your control, I mean, you can choose what you eat, and whether you go outside or stay indoors, um, if you're lucky enough to have some outdoors, and what you watch on TV, and how often you listen to the news, etc., etc. And then there are other things, you know, when, when the economy will lift, um, you know, what the government's going to do, what China's doing, when there'll be a vaccine, all of these things, we can worry about them 24-7. Mm-hmm. We are not going to have one iota, make one iota of difference. It's not going to make any difference whatsoever if we worry about it all day long because we have no control whatsoever over all of those things. So... It's really important to get clear in our head what we can exert some control over and focus on that. Um, And I think with the news being what it is, it's so easy to get sucked into that cycle of another update, another update. Um, Okay, what's the economy doing? Let's look at the death toll. And it's this relentless barrage of bad news. And I always tell people once a day is perfectly adequate for you to keep abreast of what's going on but you need to draw some very strict boundaries around what is entering your mental space. So for example, I used to wake up to the Today program. So in my previous career, I actually ran a PR agency Mm -hmm. and it was always very important for me to know exactly what was going on when. And um, if you think about it, in those moments when you wake up, you're very susceptible in those in that sort of transition between sleep and wakefulness and if the first thing that you hear is death tolls and um, economic meltdown and murders and all the rest of it that sets you up in the stress response for the day okay so you're constantly scanning for danger and being triggered Um, so that's not the ideal way to start the day and i always tell people if you can have a bit of time in the morning before you check your emails, before you listen to the news, um, or go on Twitter, whatever it is, just to kind of gather yourself and build your emotional resilience through simple practices. So things like a mindfulness practice, like the, the, the car map or the Headspace app, 10 minutes, you know, very, very simple. But over time, it changes the structure of the brain and we become more able to respond rather than react. So when your kids barge in and you're in the middle of a meeting or someone sends you a stroppy email, instead of like, ah, you know, just blowing up, 
we're able to have a slight pause and in that pause we're able to respond okay so um and they've shown this in in scans you can see that the brain actually physically changes with people who do this sort of regular mindfulness practice um and lots of other things i'm very very keen on um getting people to do a gratitude practice so we a gratitude practice so that's when you um say before you go to bed you just write down in a pad or a gratitude journal just three or five things that you're grateful for from that day from that day and what that does it interrupts this cycle of anxious thoughts so we're all marinating in in this pervasive it's fear there's fear in the air yeah but we can only think one thought at once so i cannot worry about my finances um, and all the rest of the things that we worry about and at the same time be grateful that a rose came out in my garden that I hadn't seen before okay or that um, my son made me a cup of tea today I can't think of them both so the gratitude cancels out the negativity and um, people that do that regularly, they sleep better. So they sleep half an hour more each night. They're more likely to exercise. Um, they are more positive. They do better at work. I mean, there's so much research, um, have better immunity. So um, these are very simple things which I would encourage everybody to do. And I talk a lot about them in my podcast. So they've sort of individual episodes very short episodes on each thing that is to do and you can start today if if i follow on from that so, so let's say um there's a manager who has now is, is actually a really caring manager he's um he's he really takes care of his team his team is doing great they're all working from home they're they're enjoying the work from home time uh because their managers allowed such a, a great environment to be created, regardless of whatever might be going on at home, whether they've got a garden or not. But now the manager, uh, him or herself, is in a situation where a really bad headspace. How, how do you, what, what should companies do in that situation? So I think, I think it's really important to treat everyone as an individual rather than getting hung up on, well, he's senior to him, so he should be looking after him. And um, I personally feel that people are naturally compassionate and will naturally have empathy for other people. Um, if we, it's just opening up, you know, and I think often if you, if you haven't heard from someone, I always encourage people to just say, you know, say someone doesn't, doesn't reply to an email and you might think, oh my goodness, what the hell, they haven't replied to an email. You don't know what they're going through. Yeah. You know, and actually, if you were to pick up the phone, and say, Do you know what? I just want to check how you're doing. I just want to check in with you. Yeah. How are you? And you might find that actually they're not great. Actually, they're not great. You know, maybe they have an elderly mother in a care home, and you know, people are dying in the care home. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they have, you know, a, a teenager who is now depressed because they've not seen their school friends. So many things that we are having to cope with. Um, and I think it's just important to reach out to other people, whatever position they are, and just say, I was thinking of you, you know, how are you? Um, 
pieces yeah. you know that relates to an example for a manager who who might be caring what if it's the other way around where someone is having a bad time and their manager might call them and say look i don't care what you're going through these are your kpis you need to deliver them i i completely get that i mean i you know i wasn't always a health coach as i used to work in pr and um i I had a really, really, really awful time <laughs> during one year when I was working in a, in a toxic culture um, and I got really poorly and lost a lot of weight and um, there was sort of bullying going on. Actually, not for me, but it was all around. Um, so I, I completely get how that feels to have to show up all bright and shiny for work and pretend that you're, when actually on the inside you are falling apart at the seams. Um, and it's incredibly stressful to have to put on that front when you are crumbling inside it's incredibly stressful and I think the the most important thing is to talk to somebody so if that if your manager unfortunately is not someone who is perhaps as considerate and compassionate as you would like them to be find somebody who you trust because the worst thing is to carry this all around on your shoulders um, and maybe and often people don't want to confide in their partner because they don't want to worry them because they've already got enough on the plate. And maybe they try and think, well, I'll just sort it out because I don't want them to think we're going to be destitute. Um, but it's so important to find somebody who you can talk to, mm -hmm. who you trust. Yeah. If we were now to like, consider a company who wants to take this seriously, you've got, you, you've got people on both sides, managers and uh, employees at the lower end mm -hmm. uh, we might be graduates and juniors and and, and, any, and everything in between as well actually um, they they recognize that this is a problem what should be the first thing and the following steps that they should take uh, so there's there's so much there's so much but I think I think it's really important to convey to people that whatever they're going through is normal and okay and that you, we want to hear it okay so people have got to feel that they're not going to be judged that's so so important that people can feel they can be honest about what they're going through and not be judged not be laughed at not be you know dismissed not be kind of talked about you know and gossiped about and all the rest of it so that is huge and that doesn't come overnight that's building a culture where you know and it comes from the top down um i mean even things like emails so i'm seeing a lot of people who now that they're working from home they are literally tethered to their phone because they don't want to look as though they've taken half an hour off mm. to go for a walk or they don't want to look like they're slacking for a moment so they're even more tethered to their inbox than they were a few months ago, which was already very bad. Um, and we're not designed to be on 24-7. You know, we're not designed to be checking our emails at one o'clock in the morning. Um, but I think that that needs to come from the top saying, look, we don't expect you to answer emails at nine o'clock at night. Because otherwise there's this whole expectation, well, so-and-so answered his email at nine, so I'm going to look really bad if I'm not answering emails at nine, you know? So 
I think it takes a concerted effort to say, we really value your work-life balance. We know that it is really central to how you feel, not only to your productivity, but to how you feel, to your relationships, to your happiness, to your health. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we don't expect you to be on your phone after a certain time. Um, because we know that we need to safeguard sleep because sleep, I mean, if, if we're not sleeping, our emotional resilience is just shot, you know, not to mention our productivity, um, our health in, in every, on every level. So we have to help employees to sleep um, and to be able to switch off and to have downtime to have downtime that is just for them to enjoy whatever it is that they like, whether it's playing the guitar, whether it's going for a run, whether it's gardening, whether it's singing, or just hanging out with their kids. We need to safeguard that mm -hmm. because it is so, so hugely fundamental to our health. See, when you're, when you're in the office, I can see that being easier to implement where, you know, everyone's there working, you know, it's, it's hit five, they're still there. It's five thirty. They're still there. Six o'clock. They're still there. Quarter past six. You can say, "Okay, guys um, and girls, we, we've had enough. Get out. Go home now." You can do that. But when they're at home and they've got to work around their own schedule, and they've got kids, and they're homeschooling, um, and they've got might even need to take it in terms of who gets onto the laptop, and yeah, that might mean yeah. that they're you know working through the night, whatever it might be. How do you help them define that? on and off time for when you're working, when you're not working? Yeah, so um, I think it, you definitely have to lead by example, um, you know, and if the manager can say, you know, guys, I'm not gonna be around for the next <laughs> whenever because I'm going for a walk or I'm, you know, and then it's like, ah, it's okay. You know, we've, we've had approval that it's okay to go for a walk without your phone. Um, because nobody wants to look like the slacker, you know, yeah. everyone's so worried about looking like they're not coping or they're not on it, you know, or they're not working effectively or productively from home. So, um, it's about gradually changing that culture that, you know what, it's okay. It's okay to take it more than that. It's necessary to take a break. Mm. Um, but it's something that I guide people through when I do, when I'm doing my webinars and I'm, you know, coaching people on different aspects of wellness. So whether it's sleeping better, whether it's how to eat to keep our mood stable. So our emotional stability is very much uh, um, affected by our blood sugar levels and, and think other things to do with our food. Um, how to build our emotional resilience. And there are lots and lots of ways that we can do that. Mm. Um, but I guess the advantage of bringing me in is that I am not emotionally involved because I'm not an employee, you know, I don't know them. So once you bring in a third party, it kind of, you know, people are more open. People tend to be more open with, with me. And um, the thing I always do is create, create a forum and an environment where people can be honest. So that is the most important thing because once Jane says, do you know what? I just can't get myself motivated. I feel completely lethargic in lockdown. Or Peter says, I find myself drinking too much wine at night. 
Or um, Susan says, um, I'm just lying awake at night and I can't go. So then other people hear that and they think, ah, I'm not the only one. I'm yeah. not the only one struggling. I'm not weird. I'm not stupid. I'm not weak. And then you, you suddenly the world opens up because once people remove the mask and you get this natural compassion and people hear you, people hear you and they, without judging, they just hear you and say, yeah, I get that. And then immediately you feel better without anyone having done anything. You feel better for someone hearing you and validating you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's just such a powerful thing. I wish I could show it to everybody, but you just put people in a group which is my big passion is, is coaching people in groups. You get the most incredible momentum in people changing their lifestyle painlessly because you just, you kind of fall in with what other people do. It's all down to kind of, it's called mirror neurons. But if other people start, say, having their cup of tea outside in the morning and then going for a quick walk or keeping a gratitude journal, you just naturally gravitate to doing that as well. And you all get buoyed up together. And then the next time we meet the webinar, people say, do you know what? I just feel so much better for going for a 10 minute walk and my mind's much clearer. And I started writing a gratitude journal. I started drinking more water and having a proper breakfast and suddenly my energy is up and I can think clearly. And then everyone else is thinking, whoa, well, if John can do that, I can do it. And so you naturally all rise together. You know, what? I, I can, I can, I recognize that from even from my personal experience in recruitment It's quite, it can be quite full on in terms yeah. of people are calling you looking for jobs. Managers are calling you saying, you know, we need to find people. They might not be making the right match in terms of your pool of available candidates and the, the companies that are hiring. And it becomes frustrating because now you're thinking, you know, this could happen, that could happen, someone else could, what if a competitor gets in there? There's, there's a lot on your mind. And yeah. it, it, is, it is difficult to, to switch off because you almost feel like you need to be on the pulse just in case uh, one of your competitors is in place. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's true. However, I felt like um, if anything is ever that urgent, someone's going to call you. And... Ever since I've taken that, that stance, I've, I've switched off all my notifications on everything because I, I couldn't help but notice every time I got a WhatsApp message or every time I got a t uh, you know, message on somewhere else, any other platform, Facebook, Instagram, you know, however many applications you got going, email, you get like a little ding and then a vibrate. Wherever <laughs> you are, there's an itch to just see what that is. Yeah. Constantly. Absolutely. So, yeah. I switched it all off and I thought, you know, I don't want any of it. If I'm expecting something, I'll check it. If I'm not expecting anything, I don't need to know what's going on. So yeah. um, my business partner only found out a couple of weeks ago that I did this, but it's been nearly eight, about eight, eight months or so. I've switched everything off. Text you know, messages, WhatsApps, that. absolutely everything. Yeah. Nobody actually noticed until only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I thought, I don't need all this. Why, why am I overloading? Because you mentioned morning earlier as well I, whenever i woke up first thing in the morning the first thing that i'll do is have to see a pile of whatsapp messages mm -hmm. a few messages mm -hmm. uh, it, you know uh, emails from managers about you know what's not yeah. 
on right in the evening as well and yeah i thought well in the evening i'm coming home to see my wife and kids spend some quality time with them and just as i walk through the door i get ding and i check it and it's a horrible email or or something that can wait till tomorrow morning there's nothing that i was going to do that evening anyway but now that i've read it i'm in this weird state where i'm neither relaxing yeah uncomfortable and i'm stressed at the same time so i'm thinking about something that i didn't need to know until tomorrow anyway Um, yeah so true i love what you just said i mean firstly congratulations for taking your notifications off and isn't it telling that nobody even noticed that's amazing I think it's very reassuring for other people to hear that. Um, I think it's so difficult to stay sane when we have so many pulls on our attention from from our phone Um, all the time, at every second. And it makes it almost impossible to be present with our kids, with our partner, with whoever because the bloody thing is just dinging and buzzing (laughs) at every moment and you're constantly pulled away from the present um so unless we actively put in boundaries unless we actively put in the stuff that makes us feel joyful and relaxed it's just not going to happen and we're going to be left in this vortex of constant anxiety forming distractions and disruptions to our life because each WhatsApp, you know, the stress mounts up, 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 up. And there's only so much. We all have our, you know, our, our upper limit of what we can cope with. And then things start to go very badly wrong. And, you know, we can get chronically ill. Um, we fall into depression, etc. So we have to actively manage our attention our attention so for example i i really i coach people to think about what makes them joyful and do more of that okay um whatever that is what puts them in a state of flow so flow is where you lose track of time so i have an allotment and when i'm there pottering about weeding i lose track of time and and that's when you're in this state of flow so for other people it might be listening to music or playing music or reading a novel anything where you um you just lose yourself and we need that we need that so um i've been coaching a lot of people recently on webinars who they've shown me pictures that they've painted and i'm not particularly artistic but we all have a need to be creative and that's a wonderful thing for losing yourself and it's so lovely to see people hold stuff up or they'll just because they're in their home they'll just like grab a ukulele and just like you know when i'm when i'm on like a a microsoft teams you know webinar or a zoom webinar and it's just it's so uplifting for everybody because then people think oh i wonder what i could do do you know what i used to love singing when i was at school but i haven't done it since and maybe i could join an online singing group or whatever but we we have to put these things in and i used to make the mistake of thinking more is better you know i ran a pr agency i was very successful i was you know won a huge amount of awards and i would just think just just carry on just crack on crack on you know um i was not good at giving myself a break because there was always something else to do there was always another journalist deadline there was always more i could do for the clients whether i was on holiday wherever i was i was constantly on constantly and it's something i still struggle with 
I still struggle with. I have to be very strict with myself to say, no, <laughs> I'm going to go and sit in the garden and have a cup of tea now. Because I understand now that my energy is like a bank. Mm -hmm. And if I'm constantly drawing on that, you know, with more admin and more emails and more this and that, it gets depleted. And when it gets depleted, that's when I start to get ill. So if I, if I make a withdrawal, I have to make a deposit. I have to put energy in. So I know that sitting in greenery, sitting outside, look, looking at the trees, listening to the birds, I know for me that puts energy back in and then I can go away and be more productive and get more stuff done. But I have to put the energy back in because otherwise I'm working on empty. And yes, I'm working, but I'm not being productive. I'm not being creative. Some, some of the key points that I'm, that I'm getting from this um, is you, you've got to implement a few things and I'm, and I'm almost relating it to, to, like a, to, to like a personal trainer. Um, so I, I, I Googled a few things about wellness and, and mental health and so on before we, we had a chat. There's a mountain of information. I didn't know where to start or what to look at. And I'm sure <laughs> that's the problem. That's yeah. The problem where to start <laughs> and, and and i'm sure i'm sure there's there's companies out there who are concerned about it but now you google it and there's so much information that you just don't know what to start so you might read a little bit and then you read a little bit and then you read a little bit and at the end of it you've read a lot but you actually you've actually done nothing so it's That's it and sometimes you know people do i mean if you relate it to personal trainers they people do have bad experiences that say oh i spent a fortune and you know i didn't get the results that i wanted and that well is it something that you didn't implement? And, and I feel like some of the things that you've mentioned in terms of, you, you mentioned morning routine, you've mentioned, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, do something that you enjoy, uh, switch off at times. I think these are the most important things because you need to have a downtime in order to have enough time. If you, That's it. you have That's a middle it. time, you're just constantly at middle. You're, ne you're neither relaxed, you're neither focused, and you're just, mediocre consistently yeah i think i think you put that beautifully um and i think what you said earlier about not knowing where to start that is such a problem for people because we're overwhelmed with information and advice on health and well-being and wellness it's everywhere it's all over our instagram feeds there's so many programs on tv and books etc and yet People have never been more unhealthy, more depressed, more obese, you know, more suffering from chronic disease. Never, never have we had the scale of health issues that we have at this time when we are being, you know, we're, we're just drowning under the weight of health advice, but we're not putting it into practice. Okay. And that's where health coaching comes in. So that's what I help people to do is to actually take that information they know they need to be drinking water. They've heard it a million times. They know they need to, to move, do some movement. They know they need to go to bed at a reasonable time. Of course they do. And yet, people are staying up till all hours watching Netflix or binging on, you know, chocolate biscuits or whatever, whatever. Because one thing is knowing what to do and quite another thing is actually doing it. They are two very, very different things. And my job is to help people bridge that gap, to actually put into place 
and implement what they know they need to do to feel better. Mm. You know, I can, I can, yeah. <laughs> I see it in my, in, in the market that I work in. We're, well, uh, we're both involved in within property and construction where you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's an element of remote work that's involved as an element of teamwork involved right now is shaken up absolutely everything but I, I can see even from a recruitment perspective that the retention rate on for uh, employees with those companies that do have a good and and implemented mental health policy or, or strategy they tend to retain their staff a lot better there's they're a lot happier there and yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And if I can just give the example of a company um, that I've done a lot of work with, Morgan Sindel, just just a lovely, lovely culture. And in fact, the, the way that I got to start working with them is that they had this scheme called Good Ideas, where they encourage people to come forward with ideas, I think to do with, I'm not sure if it was to do with the wellness of, of employees or whatever it was, and one of the guys had heard me as a guest on a podcast and he put forward the idea of me coming in to do um, group coaching. And that was then, so it goes to a judging panel and his idea was chosen. So he was given a hundred pounds for getting the winning idea. And I was brought in to coach their teams. We did them in, in groups of 15 all over, you know, Cardiff and Birmingham and Slough. Um, and now I'm doing sort of webinars with them as well and you know that's a really lovely example of a culture that 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 really takes this seriously this was not tick box ticking saying oh yes we do wellness um they genuinely did it and I see I work with a lot of companies like that and it's always such a pleasure for me to see that they're not just ticking a box that they really take this seriously well, that's really, really nice to hear, to be honest, because uh, you do get mixed messages across the market. But um, do, you, do you feel like once this pandemic is over yeah. and we return to whatever normal looks like, um, all of this uh, wellness and concern for employees once productivity levels resume is just going to get thrown out the window and forgotten about? It's definitely <laughs> here to stay. I mean, as I say, it was huge before this hit. It really was. I mean, I, I can't think of many corporate wellbeing workshops I've done where somebody has not come up to me afterwards and just said, um, you know, I really enjoyed that. I suffer from anxiety. I'm on antidepressants. I don't sleep. I'm very open about it, you know, which is, is great um, because that certainly would not have been the case, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but no, this is not going anywhere. Um, modern life is is very stress producing it really really is um and i can't really see it getting better anytime soon of course what people are going through now is is a lot of people are a lot of people are going through hell at the moment there's no question a lot of people are going through hell um so you know we'll have to see what happens afterwards i I think it's going to be a new uh important question for any job seeker uh yeah. they'll, be, they'll be asking the question what what did you do during the covid crisis and the first thing that comes to mind for most people is or oh, we, we might not have made anyone redundant or we might have kept them in work actually it's a bit more than that what about the health <laughs> aspect of it 
you know, yeah. what about the support aspect? What about the team aspect? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing of all uh, companies setting up cycling groups and with an online app and so on. Um, and it seems amazing. And, and I think they're having a good time and they're all getting on okay. So uh, whoever's got it right, well, well done to, to you guys and, and wishing you all yeah. the best. And, and I'm sure once everything recovers, uh, you'll be beacons of light at the end of all of this. And um, mm -hmm. whoever hasn't, I suppose it's not too late to put things right at the moment. So, um, no, absolutely. You know, you can start with little steps. You know, there's um, there's so much that you can do. But you, I think it, it starts with recognizing that you have to treat people as human beings. You know, they're not just a surveyor or this or that. You know, the, you know, a, a, a profit center. You you have to look at that. This is a human being who is going through a tough time. And we all have our different ways of coping with things. And one person on the outside might look very chirpy, but maybe is not underneath. So we have to be, you know, show a lot of compassion. Susie, that kind of uh, brings us towards the end of this, is this discussion. Um, I really want to thank you for, for joining me. And I think we've had uh, a very rich conversation, some things that I can relate to and shared a few bits. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be other people out there who can relate to it as well um so once again I'll, I'll i'll tag you in all all the all the posts i'm guessing you're on you're on linkedin instagram twitter yes absolutely facebook so um mostly is peppermint wellness um my website's peppermintwellness.co.uk um and the podcast covers a, you know a lot of the things that i've just touched on you know it can kind of show you how, how to actually do them so that's wellness and thank you so much for having me on i've really enjoyed talking to you and i wish you lots of luck with the podcast thank you so much and uh, for everyone for anyone listening if there's any comments thoughts or questions that you've got either for me or for susie um she'll be in the comments uh, I'll, I'll tag her in all the posts so feel free to reach out to her or to me if you've got any questions anything that i can help out with and and as always i would welcome any feedback for the podcast as well if you're connecting with it, if you're not connecting with it, if you think it's terrible, if you think it's amazing, uh, I want to know all of it. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you all and seeing you all in the next episode. Take care. Building services engineering is a very niche and technical specialist area. Many people who go into the industry, regardless of discipline or expertise, didn't decide to go into it when they were coming out of school. However, now in the industry, they face challenges. They still go ahead and develop fascinating careers and they see things that are changing for the future in building services. Building services are those essential items that go into a building making it habitable. Think of electricity, mechanisms to control the temperature, the quality of air, energy efficiency and fire safety. These are only a tiny element of the essential services in building services engineering. There's so much more detail. As you can imagine, the dynamic of the technical challenge will vary from a block of flats to a shopping centre to a hospital and even an operating theatre. Throughout the podcast, we'll be talking to professionals inside and outside building services engineering, including consulting engineers, contractors, suppliers, manufacturers and developers alike about their career, how they manage work-life balance in a demanding role, the current challenges and future trends in a forever developing and demanding industry.
This podcast is engineered by Responsum Global, a specialist building services recruitment business. You can connect with us on all social media platforms. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a review. Hopefully a great review, but definitely an honest one. Most of the people we meet will come through our line of work and have given us so many detailed insights into the industry. So you'll be in great company.